The presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Lately, teachers from all over have been working together to find new approaches to provide quality remote education. Participate's sister company, Participate Learning, presents United We Teach, a global gathering place for educators to share distance learning resources as we navigate these strange times. For these resources and more, visit participate.com slash oneducation. It's hard to disconnect from your own damn work. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will talk about the awesome benefits of esports, and we have two interviews this episode. The authors of the Esports Education Playbook and educator and speaker, Dr. Peter Gorman. So Christmas is coming up. Two yes. weeks. Less than two weeks? The More holidays. than two weeks. Soon. Yes. Did you know that my birthday is on Friday? I didn't. <laughs> Usually it's so, it's kind of sad. I, I, I mean, and I should, it, it's probably like. Uh, it would have been crappy when you were a kid it, because yeah. cause you, you, you didn't get as many presents. Yeah, it's it's yeah. There that's was the that, typical. That's but, the typical problem. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know if that's like a a typical yeah. problem for everybody, but usually, what I was gonna say was sad is that usually my birthday fell on the same week and actually one of the days of the huge Minnesota Education Conference. Oh, you know, okay. We had Impact Authors Education, Party. formerly called formerly called Ties, yeah. and it was just like it was like not only my birthday. But it was like all of these people that I love and that you get to go do the stuff that we get super, you know, excited and nerded out about is yeah. going to conferences, talking to people, interviewing them in our cases, you know, as far as with the podcast, uh, presenting at these conferences. Um, and, and then I was Not just like, oh, that's super. Year. Sorry, buddy. It's <laughs> <laughs> super sad. That's... I know. That was my best education or my best gift is uh if birthday gifts was always hey i get to go to the ties conference nice. or impact education next year though that's awesome. for sure so yes. we were we were talking yes. we started talking off air but we wanted to save it um for the podcast about what what we get so so for christmas so for christmas I, i'm terrible to buy for um and um <laughs> And I and because I imagine you have a lot of things already, yeah. So it's like hard to find something that you may not already have. And Cheryl, have. Cheryl would say, Cheryl would say, and she listens to the podcast. Cheryl would say that you know, Mike, you just go and buy the thing you want, anyways. So like, even if I, even if you waited for Christmas to see if you got something that you casually mentioned six months ago, um, you know, the odds of you still not having that six months later is like slim to none if you say you want something you usually just you know end up going and finding a way to get it eventually um yeah and then and then my other problem is that a lot of my stuff is like technology or or gaming yes. or something like that and cheryl doesn't really have a whole lot of experience with that or no <laughs> anyways enough in detail to get me the right thing like so so this year um i so i know what i get 
like I basically okay. I basically buy myself my Christmas presents is what I'm saying. Um, and then <laughs> and then and then Cheryl wraps them and, and then, then I, and then we get them under the tree. And then I went on Christmas Day. I look surprised. And yeah, you open it up. And you're like, oh, oh I, I can't I believe you got me that. I didn't know I was getting the exact thing that I bought and picked up myself. So it's like <laughs> so, for example, I. I, I know I'm getting a, a new set of knives, uh, like a chef, like like um, cooking. Very cool. Like high end, super nice knives. I I wanted specific. Like I I had a kind of a budget because knives, y'all can can get expensive. Yeah, right? like you can you can okay. get into like the the five th- six thousand dollar range for like a set of knives. Oh, um, but you know. I wanted I wanted a set of knives that was like under a thousand bucks, um, but more than like the high quality, more than like this stuff. Like you can go into like Bed Bath and Beyond and get knives for like a block of knives for like one hundred and fifty bucks. So I wanted like more th- better quality than that. Okay. So I had to go and find some. So I found some Japanese knives, and you know, uh, so I'm I'm excited to get those. And then the other thing. So this is the classic example of something that I. You know, if I wanted it, it had to be the specific thing is that I've been so a new flight simulator game came out. The Microsoft Mm. Flight Simulator, the classic flight simulator game that's been around since, you know, the 80s. Right. Um, They released a new flight simulator game about four months ago, three months ago. Okay, And I've refused to play it because I actually want to play it with like a flight control Oh baby. Right. I know what you're about to <laughs> right. say. Like with like a, a <laughs> like a, an actual control. A throttle up and down in either a yoke or a or a or a, a stick. Um okay. um so these things have been super hard to find. Um the flight simulator game has caused a it's like it's like you know buying a webcam in May. Um, you know, Everybody's was it was impossible, buying, right? Yep. Buying buying a HOTAS, it's called a HOTAS, H-O-T-A-S. Uh, buying a flight control system for for gaming has been next to impossible for the last couple months. But I finally found um, the HOTAS that I've been looking for, and it's not super expensive. Like, so these can get into like the three or four thousand dollar range, um, where there's like modules and add-ons, and like there's people that like mount them to a chair, and it's like ridiculous, right? Uh, I just wanted like it's like 250 bucks. It's a, it's a throttle and a, and a stick. Um, but I, if we actually had to drive to, to Mississauga, which is like a suburb of Toronto. So like an hour away to the computer store, an hour away to go and pick it up because it wasn't in stock anywhere in Barrie. Uh, so we all got in the car yesterday on Sunday and went down to Mississauga and Mike went in and picked up his Christmas present. And, <laughs> <laughs> that's I, and awesome. I and I couldn't play today because I, we have to wrap it and then it's going to go under you the tree and so Two you weeks, know if you're you if wait. you're if you're friends with me on Steam or anything like that you know you'll see me you know log into Flying. Flight Simulator on December 25th or maybe December 26th um and I'll be playing with my new uh my new that, system You got to stream that too Mike yeah, watch that. it's super nice. The game is amazing, so I'm really excited. They they actually pulled map data from, um, from like the actual like Bing Maps or whatever. Like, so it's the best use of Bing Maps. No one else uses Bing Maps except for Flight Simulator, right? 
so it's the <laughs> it's the only reason big maps is around anymore um but the data is really really cool and it and it pulls it in in real time as you're flying and and it looks super nice so uh, i'm excited to to play it do you what do you do like do you know what you're getting for christmas um i'm I'm very similar to what you're describing a lot of the things nicole will say you just buy yourself whatever so why why even do it but they they my wife and my kids do take extraordinary measures to like listen to things that i get super riled and passionate about you know Mm -hmm. and then find me things that's you wouldn't be able to get at a normal store. So for example, last year, so I'm kind of excited about what they might find for you. So for example, last year, I think it was, I have this sweatshirt. Sometimes I wear it. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like a Hearthstone sweatshirt. And it it's one of those that's made by like an, like an offshoot kind of person, like someone out there is making them, printing them. Do you know what I mean? Right. And it says something like, um, uh, almost legendary or something like that or seeking legendary blah 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 whatever it might be and i'm like oh my god you know <laughs> so they they do listen and they come up with things that are um that you would normally not think about you know like but that are in my wheelhouse so that's super super awesome and then it's hard to buy anything for nicole she doesn't want me to ever spend money on her right um so that's it's a really difficult so you gotta you gotta spend money but it's got to seem like you didn't like you got a really good deal. Okay. Yeah, interesting. That's <laughs> Do you funny. know what I'm talking That's about? <laughs> I, almost, so you can it, spend money, but you got to be like, dude, I had to get this. This is exactly what you've ever wanted. But I also got a really good deal. So Cheryl knows whether or not that's the truth. Funny, yeah. Cheryl. So Cheryl knows what she's getting for Christmas, but okay. almost in the same vein, but a little bit different. Um, I had to like make sure it was okay with her because I spent more than I probably should have. And so I didn't want to get in trouble, you know, but like she needed some technology upgrades and like, so you're the perfect person for that. Right. So, (laughs) but, but it was, it was, you know, a a little bit more than we would normally spend on each other. And, 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 and so I had to actually get like permission to, to, to say like, look, which is smart. Yeah. And you know, um, so, so there's, there's that kind of dynamic too, which is really funny. Um, so we both kind of know what each other, like, I really know, like I literally bought my knives and I literally picked up my hotas. So, you know, I, I know what I'm getting for Christmas, like for sure. Um, but I love that, but so good. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. This is um this has been a weird year. Um yes. It's funny if you could get anything in the world, what would you want? That's a funny question. <laughs> we have it in the show notes. I and all I've been thinking about lately is um like going somewhere where I don't have to like do anything or think about anything. Yes. Like like if I I actually said it to um a friend just it might have even been last night i said dude yeah. i like i can work from anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and do my job and you know my family is about to be off for a couple weeks and they they don't have to be anywhere um you know if this was any other year i'd be on a you i'd be gone i'd be gone this year in particular Where would you go? 
I'm, That's been interesting keep, to me. I keep United saying, States somewhere so, or like somewhere like exotic? I'm not you know? normally like a Warm. sit on the beach and do nothing person, but I kind of really want to sit on a beach and do nothing right now. <laughs> like really bad. <laughs> like, like really, really bad. So I, I, you know, when people have asked me lately, I've said Hawaii. I, I, I've always wanted to mm. go to Hawaii. I, I would love Got to it. do something like that. Like I have a vacation bucket list for sure. And a lot of them are way more active than sitting on a beach and doing nothing or going to like a tropical. I've done that. Like I've done the, I've went to the Dominican Republic and, and, um, you know, it was okay. Uh, I mean, in the sense that it's Hawaii's sounds amazing. Yeah, it would be, it would be super nice. Um, so I think, I think I'd go on a vacation and I think I'd go somewhere where just I could, like feel free to do like absolutely like how do I want to say this? Cause I really want to take the kids and the family. Like we were really <laughs> excited about going yeah. to Disney world. Right. I right. Know. For Isti, like we were going yes. to take the kids. It was going to be amazing, but that's like a vacation where you're like running your ass yeah. off every day yeah. for a week and a half. You're right? on. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. So it's well, great, I, I, but it's also stressful. Yeah. Too. So Cheryl, well, I still really want to do that, and because <laughs> she'll be yelling at me now. How dare you? You know, I really still want to go to Disney World or Disneyland. But there's other things that you could do also. I'm, yes. I'm dying to just go somewhere and not do anything, like not and not feel the expectation to do anything. Like someone, um, what was it? Tom? What was his? What's his last name? Rad- Radamacher. Yeah. Tom yep. said that he spent a couple of days in a cabin alone writing. Mm. Um, and I was like, damn, <laughs> that sounds, that sounds that pretty good. Sounds so good <laughs> to me right now. Like I don't need my phone. I could, I could, I could believe it or not. People, I could go without my phone. Um, do it, man. <laughs> a couple of days in a cabin. Boy, oh boy. That, that, that is a, big thing about what's happening currently is that we're all connected and I'm talking about like digitally connected all the time. Yeah. And in a way, because we're in our homes and we're not doing the things that we normally would have done, you know, just out and about doing things, you're that much more online, et cetera. And there's that much more of that burnout feeling of, and then so much, and I bet this happens, this is like you, the, the epitome of you, but I think it's the epitome of all, a whole bunch of teachers too. Anytime you're online, it's hard to disconnect from your own damn work. Yeah. Do you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, even though you want to be having f- fun, mm-hmm. you're doing this was fun and then you're doing, trying to do this, but then you're like, oh, then there's that email or even on social media, this, this post is about teaching and this is the thing and it connect and you're like, oh yeah, I got to do this thing and blah, blah, blah. So you're constantly, it's spinning in your mind. Um, even though you're trying to, to, to try to, you know, get away digitally in a way we're always like, Back in the groove, back in the loop again. So I could see where you would want to go to a cabin without your phone or to Hawaii or wherever it might be and disconnect completely and just take in the surroundings. I was trying to think of that time when me and you were walking around in uh, Miami. Yeah. Do you remember? We intentionally 
we had left our hotel and then we said, we're going to walk along the boardwalk. Yeah. And it was a morning. We didn't have to do that. We could have got a taxi right away and went just straight to the, the facility, the yeah, place, yeah. the civic center. But we're like, we're freaking going to the beach. We're going to walk on the boardwalk. Um, and take it in. Yeah. And and those are the moments. Yeah, you know, you could like you're walking along, you're taking it in, you're 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 feeling the warmth of the air in January, beautiful weather in Miami. Mm-hmm. And the and the ocean is right there on the beach and whatever. Um yeah, those are the kinds of things that truly do miss. And then that hopefully very, very soon many of us will be able to go out and experience again and be with each other again. You yeah. know what I mean? Um uh, driving each other nuts, but in real life, <laughs> not anymore in the digital sense. That would so, be nice. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, in incoming irony, um, yes, you know, is is that in in a world where we're trying to reclaim time for not working and trying to take advantage of of weekends and stuff like that, um, yeah. Glenn and I have an announcement to make. <laughs> Woo! Guess what we're doing, everybody? Oh, we're going to be working on the weekends, friends. <laughs> Come join us, though. Um, it won't feel like work then. So, here's what's happening, everybody. On December the 12th, December the 13th, December the 19th, and December the 20th, those are Saturdays and Sundays, my friends. Glenn and I, in collaboration with Logics Academy and Minecraft Education Edition, are hosting free, free Minecraft professional development sessions. Heck yeah! They will be this an hour. It. They will be an hour and a half long uh, on Saturday, uh, an hour and a half on Sunday, um, and uh, two weeks in a row. We're going to do it. Um, we're going to get you a sign-up sheet. We don't have it at this moment in time, 10 p.m. on Monday night. Um, but by the time we release the podcast, they will be in the show notes to sign up for it. We would love yes. for you to come and join us to play some Minecraft and and have and fun. talk about 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 why we would want to even use this game and what we might even do with it if we had it. Um, it's yes. open to anybody to register. Um, if you're an administrator, you know, send it out to all your school districts, um, send it out to all your, all your, all your teachers, let everybody know it's going to be free. We're going to try to set it up the times so that it's kind of, it's not in the middle of your day. So it's not dominating, you know, ideally it would be kind of in the, in the mid morning, late mid morning, you know, so that it doesn't, you know, kill your entire day to have to be home to do this one hour and a half thing. Um, and, and we'd really love it if you just come and, and hung out with us for an hour and a half. Um, so that'll be on the 12th, the 13th, the 19th and the 20th, a little, a little, a little Christmas season professional development for, yeah. uh, yours truly's. Um, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. I'm super pumped, super pumped to be able to actually do it in collaboration with you because I it, I think it'll just be fun and funny and we love this game yes i mean it's it's been a big part of of uh, of our careers and it's it's crazy to say that but it's been a big part of everything that's uh, a whole bunch of positive things that ever happened to me is because i decided to take the leap and start using this game 
but also connecting with all of the awesome people uh, like you, Mike, too, that were also passionate about using this in a variety of different ways in educational settings. And look at how far it's come down the road. It's uh, Microsoft purchased it. It's Minecraft Education Edition now. And my goodness, the sky's the dang limit. So come join us t- uh, and and have fun, you know, and and really ask questions and start developing kind of things and making those connections was the biggest moves that I ever made was making those connections, learning from other people and then going, oh, this is how I can go ahead and use it in my classroom. Mm-hmm. And then that sparked my imagination and and that got me rolling. Um, and man, it, the, it, it's super fun, super great connection with your students. And in this case, it's free professional development too. Yeah. Really hope you sign up. Please, please, please sign up. Please, please sign up. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun and it's free. So, so why wouldn't you? You're looking to learn more. Um, speaking of Minecraft, I, I need to put a plug in for the MLK Day um, experience that I'm working on in collaboration with the nonprofit LA Works. Um, yes. We need builders. We need some help. Um, okay. We're working pretty hard, um, but it's basically just Becky Latov and, and myself right now going crazy um, and doing really good work. I mean, if you've seen any of the screenshots on Twitter, or or watched on my Twitch stream, um, you know, you've seen, you know, that it looks amazing, but there's still so it much does. left to do. And I'll tell you, MLK Day is not far. It's like four, far. four weeks away. <laughs> um, so listen, if you have even bare minimum Minecraft chops, um, if you can follow directions, if you have access to Minecraft Java edition, um, I, I'm going to I'm going to kind of throw Becky under the bus a little bit. Uh, but it is her role in this is to kind of coordinate this. So um, DM steam cultivator, I'll put her Becky's information in the show notes, but um, get after Becky and, and, um, and tell her you'd like to be involved in the MLK day Minecraft project. And she will put you to work. Um, We have a lot of work to do and we could use all the help we could get. So if you have a couple hours to spare, and you want to just play some Minecraft and you can follow some direction um, because obviously it's, it's awesome. a pretty detailed build. And so we need things yes. a specific way. Um, but if you can do that, then and be part of like easily one of the coolest things that I've ever done in my entire life. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, please, please reach out to, to Becky or myself. Um, but mainly Becky and get it and get and get involved uh, because that would be amazing. Uh, so lots of lots of heavy on the Minecraft this week, um, but that's OK. When we come back, we have two interviews. The first one with the authors of the esports education playbook. And then following that, we'll be speaking to Dr. Peter Gorman. So stay with us. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Um, this is um, the biggest crowd we've had in a long time, but we're really excited to have Steve Isaacs, Jesse Lebinsky, Christine, Lion Bailey, and Chris Aviles on the podcast with us to talk about the new esports book. And I do not remember the whole <laughs> name of it. So someone is going to tell me the entire name of the book. Got this. I got it. I think Steve's got this. It's. It's the esports playbook. 
empowering every learner. He got it wrong already. I can't believe you. Oh, he's got, right. oh, he's got the name of his book wrong. Steve Isaac's got the name of his book wrong. That is that is staying the e-sport, in. The esports playbook. No. He got it wrong again. Empower- <laughs> The esports education playbook <laughs> empowering all learners. No, to win no, that's not the oh. name of it. <laughs> okay, okay, Steve, <laughs> you are cut. Christine, you can uh, tell Christine, me the name who, of the book. Christine, Christine, please. It's called the esports education playbook empowering every learner through inclusive gaming. Boom! <laughs> every mic learner. drop. Okay. Steve had it's... most of the words. <laughs> <laughs> in some order, or yes, in a different. But, order, but I think but the last time, I think, I think the last time Chris told me I nailed it, I must have got it wrong. Also, then. <laughs> I don't know the name of the book, so <laughs> I say I usually just say I, we, I wrote a thing. We wrote a thing. Check it out. With, with a lot of words in the title. You can't have that book title as a hashtag. So we we really when we're talking about it on social media, oh, we're just no. hashtag esports playbook. So right. we, we don't really ever have to yeah. do the whole title. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Or have it well... written on the slide for me. You can read it the slide. We have cue yeah, cards. We have cue cards for Chris that we stand there with, and we just toss them off as he's. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So, so listen, it's a hell of a book. Um, I've I've read through it, and and it's it is the playbook. You wrote part of it as as. <laughs> so you were, you're like I read some of it. Like well, you wrote part I mean, of it. I, Let's listen. Listen, I wrote literally like like five hundred words at the most. Let's not give it's it too much credit. It's a bona fide chapter. Words though, it's like it lays the groundwork for everything else. I just it gives me any excuse to talk about uh, Justin versus uh, Diego in Street Fighter is mm-hmm. like, and I'll take that anytime. And and uh, and you were dying to talk about um, the Nintendo World Championships, mm-hmm. so it gives us the chance to to relive yeah, some of our say, childhood. I, I was dying least, to talk about so. getting schooled by an eight year old, but it was it, it just happened to it just happened to align nicely with everything you would put in the in the in the book. I just listen. I I, I just think that um, to be slightly serious for a second about the history of esports is that I I, I absolutely do think that you know because I told the story of Joe Carter hitting the home run, and that is like a giant pivotal memory. For most Canadians my age, I mean, I remember exactly where I was, where I was watching it, who I was with in the room when he hit a home run to win the World Series. It is a huge moment in baseball history. And I just have no doubt that our future contains moments in esports that kids will always remember and that that their Joe Carter moments are going to be so-and-so you know, clutching middle winning the League of Legends World Championships or or you know that you know to to speak to to the affinity of Glenn and, and Chris to to like nail that that meta deck or whatever in Hearthstone and win a million dollars. Um I mean these are these moments and I think that there's there's kids that are gonna grow up and they're not gonna be thinking about baseball and football and hockey and soccer and all these other these sports they're going to be thinking about esports i think our future that's our future i think the coolest part about the reception of the book so far has been all of the non-gamer teachers who've been super excited about it because of exactly what you're saying mike because they they want to find ways to connect with their students and ultimately when we think about why we got into education to begin with 
it was for that reason to help kids, right? And to and to create those opportunities for kids. And I think to, to your point, it looks different for every kid. And and I'm, and I'm so excited to see these educators who, you know, if I was nervous about anything, it would be that they would be apprehensive about doing something that they have no comfort level with whatsoever. And I, I think we're seeing that's not the case. I yeah. think there's another really unique audience that is really speaks volumes about it is the parent audience. They're not even educators, but they're excited for educators to read the book because they're parents of gamers who are seeing this as an amazing opportunity to pull their kids out of isolated rooms in their house and make them part of something so much bigger through esports. Um, and it's just and generating a lot of excitement in that parent community as well. It's interesting too that you bring that up because I think there's such a shift, right, between the time in recent past where parents were skeptical and administrators were skeptical about bringing games into school, and now they're seeing, you know, this other side, which is so important. And that's what, you know, I, I mean, I think, and we try to um, really emphasize that in the book is that we're we are reaching those kids, we are providing opportunities um, for a wide, you know group of of kids and it's great like you say to hear that you know it's like we're not we used you know when we started thinking about the book and everything we were talking more about how do we convince stakeholders and it's we're moving a, away from that quite a bit now interesting so how'd the book come together because uh, i mean <laughs> you for actually though you all live like within like what an hour of each other maybe a little i don't know if you know this esports is only played in new jersey so that's really that's that, really right it's it is the epicenter of the world yes esports e particular was, was educational esports it must be i mean new jersey is the center of the educational esports universe how did this book come together who who started it and who got the ball rolling or did did you know you know i don't know tell us how tell us the story weirdly you know it's funny we've been on a lot of, we've done a lot of interviews and i don't think anyone's asked who started it i think if i had to answer who started it, it was probably micah so listen for the record people listen to on education for these kind of hard hitting <laughs> get to the facts type questions so so welcome well, the welcome nice part to the is this was answered in the book right i think one thing that the that's nice about having an editor is they kind of uh, you know the cool part on reread during the last phase of editing was it got to a point where I was reading the book and besides our individual stories, I had trouble telling who wrote what it, it actually started to blend together where I was like, wow, hmm. I don't remember which parts I wrote or which parts I edited or which parts, you know, uh, how it came together. But the cool part was the editors really wanted to give each of us a chance to kind of tell our individual stories of how we kind of came into this project, but specifically related to how this specific book started, you know, we had written reality bites earlier this year, um, which was the last time I was on the podcast. Actually, we had just released it, uh, Micah, Christine and I, and we had already had a book deal in place to write another book on esports. But, you know, I think, um, Christine had, had been working with Steve and, uh, reached out to see if Steve was interested And Steve was like, well, if I'm interested, that means Chris, you know, Chris is interested too, because we're doing guard state esports. And I think when we had our first couple of calls, we, we realized there was this amazing, you know, Chris and Steve are really the experts here in the space. You know, Christine and I are are, are obviously advocates of, of of education technology and for you know empowering students through voice choice and agency. But you know, while I'm a gamer, I'm not. I, I have no expertise necessarily in terms of getting an esports club off the ground or anything like that. Besides my administrative experience in terms of doing that for any type of program, and Christine's the same thing. So I think it was just this. Per 
looking back now, it wound up being this 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 kind of fortuitous um, moment where everyone, when we look at the book now, we have these four parts to the book. Each of us kind of fell into this one, like into individual parts of the book that suited our strong suits and kind of made the end product, I think, better than it would have been if we had attempted to do this either, you know, Steve and Chris on their own or Christine and I on our own or whatever. Like the four of us doing it together actually made it a really great end product. And I've heard Christine say multiple times, um, I'm not a gamer. Like she really emphasizes that that she's uh, gaming is not her space is that, that right is very accurate um they often have conversations and i don't even really know what they're all talking about uh, <laughs> but i i, I really awesome. do believe that it's it's not about knowing and understanding the game but it's more about what the game can do for the kid right and how we can use the game to empower the students so really my my um, passion in the book is is talking about empowering students to have a sense of belonging and building community for kids that sometimes wouldn't have community to belong to and helping their parents to understand the value in that community and you know the educators to understand the value in that community um, I leave I leave all the gaming aspects of the book to everyone else I'm not ashamed to admit that <laughs> but you've you've been a fierce advocate for for you know what's good for kids and and knew very early on that esports was was a big part of that yeah absolutely it is and i i still stand by that and i think it's super important and um you know i i think esports should exist everywhere to be honest and so we just have to get that word out there and hopefully the book is the the vessel to deliver the message i had a question about the title that <laughs> one piece of the title <laughs> um Oh, the no. play the playbook parts. Um, mm. There's a lot of things in education currently, especially during these COVID times, where someone's trying to guide us in a direction uh, in this kind of playbook kind of thing. But I think it fits perfectly, obviously, with esports. Will this, if a teacher picks it up or an administrator, help to guide them in the path of? being able to start a program and adjust for their specific circumstances, whether it be financial circumstances, kids interested, whatever it might be. Does it, is that, is that the intention to, as far as the book itself? Anybody? Can yeah. I mean, that was, a, that was a big part um, of what I wanted to bring to the book was the how to portion of it. Uh, because I think not only is esports probably difficult you know I'll, I'll talk to you like i guess through the angle of garden state esports which is a nonprofit. steve and i started here to spread esports to every school in new jersey um we have about 60 something school districts and we're seeing half of the coaches are esports enthusiasts right like most of us here and, and play and, and game but literally the other half are teachers who have been approached by students who said like, we love you, you're the coolest teacher ever, will you be the club advisor for this? And that teacher yes. is totally just kind of like flying you know, by the seat of their pants. Um, and so we wanted to make a book that was half, you know, why, but I thought, you know, the big part that I could contribute was the how-to, because, you know, you can imagine the intersection of being a teacher and an esports coach. There's not a ton of, you know, a ton of people out there because the other part of the whole thing, Glenn, is, for, for me and Steve, especially, I think we're really passionate about making sure this is done correctly, right? Um, for, for us, we use kind of like a scholastic esports model, similar yeah. to a student athlete. And there's a right way to do this for kids. There's a right way to do it um, to make sure 
that we are putting the learning first and the lessons that we want kids to leave with. And it was the same, you know, when I coached wrestling, I would tell my kids, I want them to leave better people than when they came, you know, into my program. I don't care how many, you know, match it. Well, I mean, I do care how much you win, but not, you know, not more than I care about what kind of person you became. Um, and so if you do pick up the book, not only are you going to get the history, not only are you going to get the, the, the why and the stories from, you know, a, a diverse array of voices, but you're also going to get, a big chunk in that how to start your team, but also the right why. You know, Scholastic Esports student first, um, because it's the Wild West out there, and there's a lot of companies, for-profit companies, that are trying to get into this space uh, and protecting our students and providing the best educational experience was, was something that you know was important to all of us, but especially something that I was uh, I'm super passionate about. Thinking back to to two conversations, one super recent, just in the last day or so, and one that was actually like over a year ago, and and I think that they're both related to the book and you know what we see emerging in esports. The conversation we had with Steve Isaacs at ISTE um, uh, over a year ago about um, gender equality in esports and how this is kind of one of those spaces where everyone can be equal and 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 be together and um and it, it is a it is a it, a massive opportunity for equity and then an amazing conversation that happened on twitter that was a little bit stressful <laughs> at times between between uh our our, our other friend jim o'hagan and, and chris and and a few of us involved in a conversations just talking about students and their voice in this and just how you know, I think that that conversation, Chris, one of the one of the interesting things that came out for me about that conversation on Twitter was that students are Im immersed in this, not just in the gameplay, but in the way that they're thinking about it in terms of their emotions and their feelings and like the way that they're interacting with each other and the way that they're interacting with the world. And I'm feeling like that conversation with Steve and this conversation with Chris and then just the general theme of, you know, esports and education is that this is really one of the best opportunities I've ever seen for students to find their voice, especially students who didn't have a voice prior. But I think I think Mike also what that conversation the other day only reinforced for me was how yeah. passionate the community of educators is around esports in general is that everyone feels so strongly about this as such an important opportunity to promote those those avenues for for student um, for for student empowerment that I think that that's where that's where everyone kind of is just saying what's on their mind and kind of like is so everyone feels such a great sense of ownership over making sure that esports is a success. Um, and I think that's the, that's been one of my biggest takeaways from all the interviews I conducted over the course of the book is how, how people have seen how this has changed lives. And once you see the impact that esports can have on students, you want to make sure that nothing gets lost in that. Yeah. And I think to add to that too, is um, just like, your students that you teach that would define themselves as football players or define themselves as soccer players. I think more and more students are defining themselves as gamers and that I'm becomes not, not afraid of that either. Right? No. And, and more, 
so now than ever. Um, and I think that comes, you know, with a lot of passion and it comes with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, meaning to them. You know, and, and I'll give you an example is I've had conversations with parents around certain topics. Uh, one of them, you know, was that gaming was, I guess we'll say meaningless for back of, or lack of a better term, right? Oh, you're playing, you're wasting your time. Well, to that kid who defines themselves as a gamer and is kind of the thing that they may be known for in their friend circle, like that's doing some serious damage. So I think one of the, you know, one of the things I try to be, uh, help parents or other educators who maybe don't get it, be mindful, you know, uh, we had a, a school district, a board of ed that shot down their school's team and, and the initiative was put forth by kids, right? So I, I worked with these kids, helped them craft a proposal for the board of ed um, about joining Garden State Esports and bringing the esports team to their school. And it kind of was shot down by the board of ed, but it was shot down in a way that not only were they like not into it, but like don't even ask in the future because there's no educational benefit to it. You know what I mean? See, that, that's so interesting because I, I mean, while that is out there without a doubt. What I also see is is um, so many kids who are are coming into their own and are, you know, I, you know, in the right situations are being honored for what they're interested in. And I think that's what this is all about. Is it, like when you see a kid who, and you know, Chris, you talk all the time about homeschool connection, and you see the kids that are not very active in other activities in school, and then all of a sudden this is their place and. And, you know, you have amazing stories of kids who, um, you know, really shone, shined, whatever you would call that word, um, in that environment. And, you know, I have as well. I mean, I, I have one kid, you know, so quiet. And yet in every game, he was just so good that it's like you started to see this air of confidence start to come over him. And and I think when, when parents and others see that, um, you know, it speaks for itself. And I, I hope that in a situation like the district you're talking about, I hope they're listening, yeah. you know, and kind of seeing that because that's, I mean, we talk so much about SEL and about making kids feel valued and honored and worthwhile. And we see it every day in what we're doing. And, you know, another point that um was brought up earlier that, you know, about the passion of all the educators. One thing I find so awesome is that every conversation you have about esports talks about the importance of inclusivity and and fighting to make it, you know, um, you know, equitable and, and, and inclusive. And that doesn't mean that it's easy or that it's happening, you know, overnight, but that's what everybody wants and understands is so important. So we're leading with that. And I think that's really, Steve, when you said shined, was it low, all lowercase or was it lowercase ass? Uh, uh, Definitely (laughs) capital E. Um, I did, you know, Listening to Chris before, though, I did want to give him props because I feel like sometimes he understates or, you know, he undersells his own role in, in, in this. But, you know, when he talks about the how to, that's the last part of the book. The book, you you have to get like 120 pages into the book before we even start talking about how you do it. To, to Steve's point, the meat of the book is really about the SEL benefits, the diversity, the inclusion, the how you address stakeholders, the you know, the counterpoints to some of those arguments you may hear from people who are trying to say, well, there's too much violence in games, or, you know, they're spending too much time on screens or, you know, toxic culture. And ultimately, we realize you can't even get to the how to unless you are laying the groundwork with everything else. To the point that by the time you get to the how to in the book, 
if you're not totally sold on the fact that your school should have an esports program, then that's where we failed. Not in terms of giving you the wrong direction on 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 what to do a club versus team, but if you're not sold on the benefits of it by the time you get to that part of the book, then it was a waste of of your money. And I think that's really the at least for me personally, the insight that I think Steve and Chris both provided, you know, as we went along is sure in my head, I was thinking about some of the, you know, I went to my admin hat and was thinking about the logistical, how I would get this going. But I think they were so insistent on grounding it in those, those, you know, the why in reinforcing that, that, um, you know, school career pipeline and all those other things that only someone who truly understands and believes in the mission of esports could articulate. Yeah, I mean, I'll even tell you a fun fact is, is that stakeholder piece. I've been trying to get an esports team since 2011. And that really came out of my notes that I would have after every meeting of every question or every issue that was posed. And I would always just kind of go through and make sure I had all my talking points and I put together yeah. a folder of research. And since 2011, I tried to bring it to the school that I was at, and it didn't happen until 2018. So you're talking- and talk about talk about perseverance. Like Chris, I remember conversations with you along the way where you were almost like like banging your head against the wall until you, yeah. you know, and then eventually, you know, I think Rocket League opened the doors for you, and then all of a sudden, look at <laughs> look at what you've done with Rocket League, which is pretty wild. Like, you know, I don't think that was the game you were thinking of initially no, no. You know. I wanted to do overwatch for my middle schoolers who were 13 and over. Um, and, and that was just a, a hard no, but even before that, you know, it, it, the big sticking point I ran into was when a stakeholder believed that violent video games made violent students, I could supply every study out there that is disproven and over. It, it's such an emotional argument and, and you know, it just, it, I could never get that into, you know, I can, I can never get that to, to, to sink in is that it's not true. It's not true. So the really what happened was um, one, I changed districts, uh, but number two, was I approached it uh, in a different way where I went in and kind of said, look, I know that people believe this and let me tell you how I'm going to address it. And that was the big hook. When I started to say that, you know, um, I'm tying SEL from jump to this. So I said that we're going to address health and wellness. We're going to talk about screen time. And I actually went in with like the, the slides of the lessons I was going to do with the kids during esports practice. You know, I didn't necessarily change anybody's mind, but they said, you know, they kind of said, we'll trust you um, and, and let's pilot at this for a year. And then when these kids started to show significant changes at home um, and the parents were just writing me email after email, I would just forward them to the super who would forward them to the board. Um, and it was that SEL piece that really sunk in, um, you know, and that's why part of the feedback and, and the advice that we give is when you go into these stakeholder meetings, address those issues as say, you know, we know people believe this. Here's how we're tackling that through esports. So not only do they get all the competitive benefits like, you know, uh, teamwork and leadership and uh, that kind of stuff, but they're also going to get health and wellness lessons on this. Uh, they're going to get, you know, SEL kind of lessons on that. Um, and that was a big piece that kind of um, has tipped for a lot of districts is addressing the concerns, whether they're founded or not, head on with students. Uh, and, you know, so that's why I think, too, Steve and I are so in love with that SEL connection. It's, it's just such a, a perfect fit without even the, the stakeholder piece. But the fact that that has been a big um, 
you know, that was something that the stakeholders got really excited about is, oh, you're going to talk to my kid about the effect of screen light and you're going to talk to my kid about, uh, you know, exercise and sleep and diet and what that does to performance, not just in esports, but also, you know, in classrooms and test taking and stuff like that. Um, that was what turned, you know, maybe those one or two or three stakeholders that were key, but I just couldn't convince was, you know, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to address it uh, in a way that kids care about. And Christine, I, I suspect that Chris's approach, you know, if you were in educational leadership, if you were a superintendent or a principal, like, I mean, that's the right approach, right? When you, when you go in there with, you know, the, you know, the details, instead of just saying, I want to play like, like, I mean, that's not the way to do this is just to come in there and say, I want to play games and here's the game we're going to play. And I got all the things set up for it and whatever it's talking about how you're going to impact students and, and what you're going to teach them and, and not just about playing games, but about, you know, all of these other things as well. Right. Yep. <clears throat> There's so much truth to that, Meg. And honestly, as Chris was talking, I just keep thinking about the parents component of the stakeholders and, you know, parents are a very powerful aspect of what happens in schools. Right. And so I, I think of all of these parents of kids who are gamers, who would give anything for their kids to have something to belong to rather than often mm. being in isolation. And so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I really think as much as the book is geared toward educators, it's a really powerful read for those parent populations because it empowers them to have a voice to speak up for their kids and to advocate for their kids and to get these programs in their schools to serve their students um, and to serve the students who don't have parents that are advocating for them, right? Sadly, a lot of our kids don't necessarily have um, parents that are frequently advocating for them. And so if we can get these programs in place to, to speak to those children and to draw them into these communities, that that's a really important aspect of what we're trying to accomplish as educators. Um, so that the stakeholder piece is, is quintessential when it comes to, you know, putting any type of program or sport or anything into a, a school. So if our audience members want to connect with you guys, talk esports or just any other the topics that we actually brought up today, and then can someone guide us also to where we go ahead and purchase the book? That would be fantastic. I'm not sure. Steve, you want to start? Sure. Um, I've been known to be somewhat active on Twitter. You're welcome to find me there. Um, at Mr. Underscore Isaacs, MR underscore Isaacs. Uh, yeah, and please do. You know, this community, not just us in terms of, you know, because of the book or anything, but the esports EDU community is all about sharing this passion and bringing others in. And um, I love talking esports and game based learning. So please reach out. I'll just jump in about the book. So the book, uh, we actually are running a launch promo for the book and uh, we're super excited about that. So if you buy the book off Amazon, you can uh, send us your proof of purchase and you will receive not one, but two digital resource kits, mm. uh, a starter kit and any curriculum kit, which uh, Chris talked awesome. a little bit about that with you know the SEL, the health and wellness, content creation, all that stuff. So the information on that can be found at bit.ly slash esports playbook promo. And um, you can find out more information about the book at hashtag esports playbook. And uh, myself personally, at Jay Lubinsky on Twitter and Instagram. And our company is at ReadyLearner underscore one. 
And so I'll, I'll just say Christine. if you're interested in, you know, sort of talking a little bit as a, an instructional leader, um, I'm an administrator in a district in New Jersey, and I'm, I welcome the opportunity to talk to other instructional leaders and, and really work to advocate for programs and, and for the students in your schools. So you can find me on Twitter at C Lion Bailey, um, and I would love to chat. On uh, the social medias, you can find me at techduckteacher, T-E-C-H, wait, say funny, T-E-C-H-E-D, up teacher. That's also the blog where I talk about uh, a lot about esports and games and gaming, among other fun ed tech stuff. Um, and then if you're looking to get started with esports, if you check out Garden State Esports, gsesports.org, uh, we have a ton of free uh, resources, whether you're in Jersey or not, because not everybody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself, buddy. Speak for yourself. I don't know. Glenn, Glenn's not in New Jersey either. Neither is Jesse, technically. <laughs> I'm tri-state area. It's all the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a lot of free resources on there. A lot of it's are pre-mades, so that way you can just take it uh, and uh, edit it to fit your district needs and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, trying to lower the barrier of entry and not have anybody recreate the wheel. Um, a lot of those resources are, you know, available for any district uh, to use. So check it out. And if you are in New Jersey and you want to join our league, uh, we are almost 60 districts strong, with his, which is approaching, what, 15, 16% of the state, I think, right now. Wow. Uh, so, you know, statewide domination is on, on up ahead. So, yeah, check I it also, out. I also want to point out that the huge success of the book, its initial weekend, can be marked off by the fact that we were ahead of how to draw Marvel superheroes, as well as the Among Us strategy guide. So we, right, we oh, really made a hey. dent in, oh uh, <laughs> in Cyber Monday. <laughs> we're still trying to figure out how, how to draw a Marvel comic. Ended up in computers and technology, but, you know. We, we were a little fuzzy. This guy, Barack Obama, who has a book in like 100 languages, all of which. You know, we were trying to beat him. It's funny, though, you know, every time I went onto the Amazon homepage, I would see Ready Player Two in the bestsellers and for just like a quick moment, I would get all excited and I'd be like, oh wait, that's not our book. Like just because yeah. I already learned or what, I'd be I, like, oh, oh. I'll oh. tell you, our book was great marketing for that book because I did buy Ready Player Two when I kept seeing it up there. If, I'm reading now. Like the it has a shorter, it has a shorter title. You may also like Ready Player Two by right. Ernest Cline. That's right. Awesome. There you go. So we're gonna put all of the, the links <laughs> and the, the Google form and everyone's social media stuff all in the show notes. Um, so you can all contact them and, and buy the book, buy the damn book people. Cause it's, <laughs> it's really great. Uh, Steve Isaacs, especially the chapter. Yes. On the history. Well, <laughs> highlight of the book. It's all downhill after that. <laughs> Steve, Steve Isaacs, Jesse Lubinsky, Christine Lyon, Bailey, Chris Avilas. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Dr. Peter Gorman has more than 30 years experience in education and business, including serving as superintendent for Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. He's an author and speaker and the superintendent in residence for District Administration Leadership Institute. Welcome to the podcast, Peter Gorman. Thank you. Pleasure to be here with you. So your... I've been like reading all day about alignment, you know, <laughs> and I never thought I'd, I'd, um, I'd, I'd be, I dig so deep into, into one word as much as I have, but, uh, 
this is kind of your thing in terms of like what you're really well known for. And so I want to, I want to take a bit of a deep dive into this idea of alignment. Um, and I, I think that it would be great to preface the rest of the conversation with a bit of a definition. So can, can we talk about what alignment means in the context of, you know, your book and your work and, you know, what we're going to be hearing from you at FETC and the rest of this conversation tonight. Sure. Can I start with two kind of just quick short stories about that that'll help explain the picture? We love stories, man. Great. Great. So I started off my career more than 30 years ago, as you mentioned. And when I started off, I had one individual classroom that I was in charge of. I was a second grade teacher in Orange County, Florida, loved my work. And I was responsible to help all those children grow and achieve, to increase their learning, to give them opportunities that they never thought they might have, or they may have thought they would have, and just help them go even further. And the work that we did and the work that I was able to do there was fantastic. I loved my work. I was deeply devoted to it. Then I became a school administrator. And I was then responsible for the learning, not just of one individual classroom, but a whole group of students. In my first job, I had a job called Dean of Students. I was in charge of a grade level at a middle school. So 500 students I was accountable for. Then I moved on to be a principal of a large high school. So well over 2,000 students. And then I went to the district office and I had an area of schools in a big district. So 30,000 students. And then ultimately became a superintendent. And Hmm. when I was a superintendent in Charlotte, North Carolina, we had about 140,000 students. So I had 140,000 students whose achievement I was accountable for, and I had to do everything in my power to help them grow and develop and learn. And in doing that work, what I found was we were doing a lot of good work, but we weren't doing it at scale. We had successes here and successes there and things but we weren't doing it at scale. So when I spent some time looking at the places that were helping more and more children be successful, I found that they were in experiences where a set of things were in alignment. And when I think about alignment, I like to think about when you come to school, some individuals drive to school, some staff members come to school and they park their car and they get a kayak off the roof of their car and they come into work and they paddle around individually all day long and they do really fine work. They're paddling alone and they might every once in a while paddle past a neighbor teacher and they're paddling alone. When I'm talking about alignment, I'm talking about all the elements within a district are in a row working together and they're compounding each other. It's sort of like compound interest where one and one, not two, but maybe it's one and one is two the first year. And the second year, you add one more and it's not three, but it's more than three because the elements do even more for each other. In education, when I talk about alignment, it's the various elements. The beliefs of the staff are in alignment. We have a belief that all children can learn. It's the belief of the parents, the students, the administrators, the teachers, everyone are in alignment. I find the places that go far have an aligned vision and mission. What they believe in for students, what their expectations are for students are in alignment. 
why they exist and what they want to accomplish. They're in alignment. Those districts that go far, they have an aligned theory of action. These are the big levers we're going to pull. We can't have everyone come to school and, well, I've got my plan, and I've got my plan, and I've got my plan, and we end up with all these divergent worlds where everyone goes a different direction, and then they change class periods, and the kids reset, and then they go off in a variety of different areas again. But there's an alignment that it builds off each other in its theory of action or the big levers that you're pulling. Then there's an alignment with policies. We actually put in place policies to ensure that what we are doing is in alignment policy-wise so that the rules, the procedures, the policies support the direction we want to go in. From there, then, you develop a plan, a strategic plan. And these places, again, in alignment, have a strategic plan. These are the key elements. We're going to move in that direction. Then we back up the strategic plan by organizing the staff and putting an organizational structure in place to complete it. And then the final elements are alignment of the budget, alignment of accountability systems to make sure what we said would happen, what happens for kids. And then finally, an alignment of the evaluation system where we evaluate for both students and staff, did we get where we need to be? And we have fabulous intentions with what we want to do for students, but the reality of it is we get out of alignment and we have children who end a year. And they had a fabulous year and wonderful experiences, but it didn't build on another year. We didn't compound things. We didn't do things. An example would be in the time of COVID we're dealing with. So they're having a fabulous experience in one teacher's classroom. And then the next teacher, they go to their back to ground zero with using technology or the tools that they're using because there's no alignment. So the districts I found that really moved the ball for children we're in alignment in a variety of areas. And what it essentially and largely counts is counts on happening is adults talking together, working as a team for the benefit of children. And unfortunately, it just doesn't happen all the time. It happens a lot, but building that alignment isn't always systemic. So Peter, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about technology integration, uh, instructional coaching, and then how alignment works within those areas. Because we've often talked on the podcast about how important it is to provide integrated support for our educators, no matter what technologies are being utilized. Uh, but there's often this tunnel vision where school districts are purchasing ed tech and it's focused on the devices and the software instead of the people, the students and the teachers. Uh, I, it's kind of like a softball question, but maybe you could follow up with this. But do you see a difference between the districts that invest in consistent and specific professional development, maybe even held within the school district with instructional coaches, technology integrationists, or whatever in between, and then those that do not? And basically, maybe they invest their funds in the devices themselves and then don't provide those, those supports that are needed. Yes, I saw the time and a little bit about my background. So I was a CIO, Chief Information Officer for Orange County Schools in Orlando, Florida. It's one of the mm. top 10 size-wise in the nation in charge of IT there. My dissertation is about the use of technology in schools. Now, granted, that's 28 years ago. It's been a little while. Still, yeah. But that has been a focus my, my whole career. 
And one of the things I noticed when I first became a principal, we would publish an annual report about our school. And we used to publish on the front page of it how many devices we had. Mm -hmm. Like that was our scoreboard. <laughs> and one yeah. day we said, wait a minute, but we don't talk at all about what kids can do because we have devices. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did that for a while. Totally. And technology, I believe, is one of the four main resources in education. People, time, money, technology. And if you ask me what I'm looking for, I'm looking for the finest teacher for the longest period of time with the resources they need and utilizing technology to integrate for students in ways that is similar to their what they'll experience outside. So that's absolutely a part of it. And my daughter, you know, really hit me in the face with that one day when I was dropping her off at her middle school. So I'm dropping her off from a uh, orthodontic orthodontist appointment, and I'm walking her in. Even though you're superintendent, you still follow the rules. And as I was walking her in, the bell rang, so I knew she was going to be tardy. And the bell rang, and the principal went on the PA and said, "Students, it's now time to power down." So I looked at my daughter and I said, honey, what does he mean? And said, dad, you know what he means. He means turn off your cell phones. I said, oh, okay. And said, dad, what he really means is prepare to be bored. And I said, wow, she why do it. you say that? And I have a precocious kid. She's you know, 22, just recently graduated college amid COVID. And she said, dad, when I get to school, I don't solve problems, get information, or communicate with others the way I do outside of school. Mm. Because I got told to power down. And then she went on to say to me, and dad, you told me, this is where she went too far. She said, you told me I got one job to do. And my job is to do well at school. I said, yes, honey, it is. And as I'm signing her in at the desk and that to get to class because she was tardy, she said, well, on your job, dad, do you power down? And I said, well, no. And then as she's walking away, she said over her shoulder, I just wish I knew someone who could do something about that. And then she walked off. Wow. That piece, technology, we, how do we use it? We should use it to solve problems, access information, and communicate with others in the support of the work that we are doing in the natural flow of that work. If we're taking and jotting down a quick note for a moment, a pen and paper might be just the right thing we use. If we're doing some other piece, a different form of technology and other types of work. And in doing that, as we have learned through this time of COVID, we've got to provide support and assistance so teachers can integrate that into their instruction so it is seamless and part of the day and it's not a standalone. And I believe the most is from coaching, from professional development and assistance that is what I would call more real-time or problem of practice. Mm. 
don't have me sit up there and show you how to use it. Let me model a lesson. Let me show you how to do it. Let me give you an example um, that you've just done and give you a tool, a technique. There's an infinite number of ways that you can do that. And that's where great coaching, I think colleagues are the finest coaches an educator has. On almost every occasion, there's someone in your building who has solved that. And by the way, what does an aligned system do? It allows time for teachers to collaborate and yes. learn from each other, but also watch each other work. I, I used to, I'm not a big fan of getting a bunch of substitute teachers, but once a quarter, every teacher, when I was principal, had a substitute come in for a couple periods for them so that they could sit with me in advance and choose which of their colleagues they were going to go watch how they do certain techniques and learn from them. It's that side-by-side -side watching, learning. That's where it really works. That's alignment. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Peter, how can people connect with you, learn more about you, be in touch with you if they want to continue to learn from you? Yeah, so I, I do have a website that they can reach me through. My company's Peter Gorman Leadership Associates, and it's pgleadership.com. Now, one thing I will say, though, in complete transparency, there are no associates. <laughs> associates are HR. I'm not doing HR at this phase of my career. You know, you having go. had 20,000 employees, it, it's me. And I help yeah. folks grow, and I work awesome. with superintendents leaders, educators, and help them grow professionally. And I do the bulk of it through coaching and I do it through a problem of practice model. We work on concrete problems of practice that they're dealing with. And I find what I mostly do is I ask them questions and help them answer their own problems, mm -hmm. solve their own problems. Most of the time they know it right beneath the surface it's just sometimes hard to actually say. Yeah. So just a reminder, friends, that FETC 2021 is a free virtual event this year. Uh, free virtual event. And all you have to do is visit FETC.org slash register to join the thousands of others who will register to learn with amazing educators and leaders like Peter. Again, head to FETC.org slash register for your free pass to FETC 2021. Dr. Peter Gorman, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter. And I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 
When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.